we are grateful for that music from this very special bunch. Now, you all have watched Will grow up, but we're just so grateful for Nyla and Samantha who are meaning so much to our church and uh, serving as interns here at the church and just doing such a great job. And they're just such special, special people. They're fun to be around. And uh, thank you, y'all. We appreciate that. As I'm getting ready today, I'm thinking to myself, finally, finally is coming around, and I'm looking forward to it. A couple of things that I am finally excited about. One of the things I'm excited about is this coming Wednesday is the last Wednesday when we won't be doing services on Sunday evenings here at the church. Beginning next week, we get back to our Wednesday evening meals, our Wednesday evening activities, our choir practices, all the good stuff that we enjoy. And I can't wait because I'll tell you what, it, it's always empty to me when we meet the middle of the week, meet, uh, come to the middle of the week in July. And I just kind of look around and I'm not sure what to do. Finally, we're going to be back. Not only are we going to be back on Wednesday week, not only are we beginning our meals again, but we're beginning our meals again in the very best possible way. In fact, we're beginning our meals where we ended our meals at the conclusion of June. We are going back to Cracker Barrel Breakfast. Now, you can't do any better than that. So you be making your plans now. This coming Wednesday, you're on your own. But the next week, finally, we're going to be back to enjoying a wonderful time, our fellowship time, all of our full activities. It's going to be exciting. We're looking forward to our children and our youth and our choir and our Bible study and everything else that goes on on Wednesday nights. It's going to be exciting. The other finally thing is that finally, after having to postpone for a year last year, we're anticipating this Christmas, we're going to be making our trip to the Holy Land. There's a group of you who are able to go. But I was contacted by Phil Barfoot the other day who's putting this together. And in the month of August, he said this, if you have some folks that for some reason last year could not plan to go, but this year they would like to, if you'll let me know, I'll be glad to help you make your plans to be part of a very special group that will be leaving on December the 27th and returning on January the 6th. And we're really looking forward to this Christmas in the Holy Land trip. It's going to be exciting. Finally, we get to go. 1959, New York City. A 32-year-old disc jockey named Peter Tripp came up with an idea to promote his radio station. He built a clear booth in the middle of Times Square. And he made a commitment that he would remain in public awake for eight days and eight hours with absolutely no sleep at all. A 200-hour wake-a-thon. Doctors would regularly give him physical, mental, and psychological examinations, and they would find out, is it possible for a man to stay awake for 200 hours in a row? Well, this is what happened. After one day, he was pretty well normal. After all, most of us in some season of crisis may have found ourselves awake for 24 hours in a row. After two days, he began to experience some slight hallucinations. He began to try to swipe away cobwebs that didn't exist. After 100 hours, he had memory lapses. 
He had difficulty performing simple tasks he was asked to perform. At 130 hours, he was unable to solve basic math problems or even recite the entire alphabet from memory. After 170 hours, he was uncertain of his own identity, experienced paranoia, demonstrated low brainwave activity. His mind just refused to function the way it should. At 200 hours, he was experiencing full-blown psychosis. He could not distinguish hallucinations from reality. He was convinced that the doctors were conspiring to make him a prisoner. And when the 200 hours were completed, he had to spend weeks in the hospital recovering from that experience. Peter Tripp learned the hard way something all of us need to discover. And it is simply this. We require rest. Rest is not a luxury. Rest is not something you get to every now and then. As human beings, we, desire, we require seasons of rest in our lives. It is not a luxury. It's a necessity. All of us need it. None of us are an exception. Not only that, the Bible requires that we experience seasons of rest. In the very beginning of the Bible, in creation, the Bible says all of us need to take time to rest, renew, and return to the Lord. It was true of Adam and Eve. It, is true of, it was true of David. It was true of Elijah. Jesus himself made time to step aside and be with his disciples for seasons of rest and renewal. The Bible calls people who experience Sabbath rest and gives instructions for seasons to let land lie fallow. In other words, God says to us, rest is part of his plan for his, for his people. Rest is part of what the Lord has designed you to require and to thrive from. And it's true, God continues to experience, ask his people to experience seasons of rest. We need those times to slow down and remember who we are. And remember whose we are. And remember what God is doing in our lives. I love the story of some explorers who found themselves in the Amazon jungle. They were in a hurry to reach their destination. And so they asked the group of guides who were with them to hurry along the way. And that worked very well the first day. They got up early. They uh, got ready to move out. They made their way through the jungle. They made good time on that first day. And they made equally good time the second day and even the third day. But on the fourth day, these explorers got up and they got ready to leave. And they looked at their guides and they said, okay, it's time to go. And the guides refused to move. And so they went to the man who was the leader of the guides and they said, what's the problem? Everybody's just sitting here. It's time to get up. It's time to go. If we hurry, we can make our destination by nightfall. And he said, no, we're not going to move for a while. We need to rest. We need time to let our souls catch up with us. There's a lot of wisdom in that, isn't there? We need time to let our souls catch up with us. We've run too hard and, we, hard and we've gone so far and we've tried so much that now it's time to just rest and let your soul catch up. Well, I think all of us understand what that feels like. I think in your own life, you've probably had those times when you've thought, you know, I just need to stop for a minute and just kind of let my soul catch up. 
generation ago, people were told that because of technological advances that were yet to be made, the day was going to come when everything was going to be so much easier. Work days were going to be uh, slower. Pace of life was going to be easier. People were going to find themselves with more spare time. And we would be able to live a whole different kind of life because technology was going to make it possible for us to rest and relax more. Well, I think we found out that's just the opposite of what really has taken place, haven't we? Over the last generation, as we have seen so many advances in technology and communication and media and so many ways that we have watched advances take place in our world, life has not gotten slower, has it? It has sped up again. Sometimes it seems to be going so fast that we're not sure we're ever going to be able to catch it again. Things are just kind of out of control. It makes the demands more intense. It makes it harder to draw a line between work and home and rest. It's a struggle sometimes. Innovation seems to make those demands more intense. I was thinking about that this past Tuesday night. This past Tuesday night, I was getting ready to go to bed. It's probably about 11 o'clock. And I was getting ready and getting ready to go to bed. I was tired and it was time to end the day. And suddenly I realized I had left my phone sitting on the desk in my office here at the church. That entire evening I had been cut off from my personal technology, from my ability to communicate and here's the weird thing and when I realized I didn't have my phone and when I realized that I couldn't find it by telling Judith call my phone which I do from time to time so I can find it under a chair or you know laying on a table or, or whatever and when I realized it wasn't in my car and I realized I had left it here there was a big something inside of my heart that said you don't need to go to bed. You need to drive to the church and get your phone so you can have it for the rest of the night. You know what I call that? I call that addiction. Don't you? When that time comes in your life when you feel like unless I have access to technology, unless I have my telephone, unless I have my computer, unless I have the things that I need to function in this life, I just can't keep going. Then we recognize maybe it's time to slow down just a little bit. All of us need to experience authentic rest, especially after the way our world has been turned upside down these last couple of years. If you're like me, we're all the same way. We begin to tell somebody about something that happened in our lives and we say, that happened three months ago, six months ago, last year, before COVID. Sometimes it feels as though there's this vacuum over the last couple of years in which everything seems to have disappeared into a, a black hole and it seems as though the stress of everything being different has just piled on top of us, whether it was having to wear those face masks for so long or not being able to be together for a while or going to the grocery store and feeling like you can't come within a shouting distance of anybody. It has created a tremendous amount of stress in our society. In fact, that's the word that most people describe these days and it seems to apply itself in so many ways. Stress. 
because of disease, stress because of the economy, stress because of what's going on at work, stress because of what's happened in my family, stress, 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 stress. I think the greatest sign of how much we need a season of rest and renewal is going on these days right now because two things are going on hand in hand and national economists are trying to figure it all out. You see, on the one hand, they're saying we're going through a difficult time with our economy. Inflation, you know, every time I see that thing that says inflation has gone up 10%, I think you're not going to my grocery store because it's a lot more than that. We're struggling with whether the economy is going into recession. We're trying to figure out exactly how do we make it through these rocky times we're in. And that's on one side. But on the other side is this. And they say, and in spite of that, everybody is finding some kind of way to go on vacation. This is a record year for people taking time to go to the beach or to go on a trip or do something to relax. What's going on? We recognize as hard as it may be, we need some way to rest from the stress. We've concluded this year that time away is not a luxury. It is a necessity because we are weary heart and soul. In fact, I'll tell you what, if I had a kind heart this morning, what I would do is I would just turn down the lights here in the sanctuary and start, stop talking, and I'd ask Nathan and Evie to come up and just play some really nice soft music and give you about a half hour to just sit there and relax. Wouldn't that be nice? Too bad I don't have that kind of heart, isn't it? (laughs) Instead, I want to tell you what the Bible has to say. A word from Psalms about experiencing rest the way God wants you to have rest. Not just the absence of activity, not just a little extra sleep, the kind of rest that seeps deep into your soul. Psalm 37 describes the quality of rest that Jesus offered when he said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you weary this morning? Are you stressed? Are you tired? The Bible has a word for you. So let me share it with you. First thing that Psalm 37 tells us is this. Genuine rest is something you have to choose. One of the things I love about the 37th Psalm is that it promises soul deep renewal. But it also requires a personal choice. This is what you find from Psalm 37. The Bible invites you to trust in the Lord. To delight in the Lord. To commit your way to the Lord. To wait on the Lord. And yes, to rest in the Lord. But here's the thing. It never simply occurs. It is the result of a decision. Basically what Psalm 37 says is this. You make the decision. Delight in the Lord. You make the decision. Rest in the Lord. You make the decision to find your faith in the Lord. You make that decision. The choice of a rested soul begins by deciding to live in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Do you want to experience rest in the midst of the turmoil of the world around you? Do you want to find rest in the midst of the turmoil that sometimes is going on inside of you? Do you want to find rest in the midst of sometimes the failure and the guilt and the sorrow? Make the decision to put your life into a right relationship with Jesus. You choose. If I could choose it for you, I would. If the people who love you could make that decision, they would. But you have to decide, I will rest in the Lord. You choose a life that is responsive. You choose a life that is obedient. You choose a life that is open to him in every way. Here's just something you need to know. The Lord wants you to live a life that is balanced. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, vocationally. God wants you to live a balanced life. God wants you to live a life that is filled with joy and purpose. But you have to decide. That's what I want for my life. If you're going to experience rest today, it's not just going to happen. It won't come about randomly. It will be because you made the decision, Lord, I need that opportunity to experience real rest. Not just stopping what I'm doing, but allowing you, Lord, to renew me and to renew my faith. Rest is something you have to choose. Bible also tells us this, you're invited to rest and enjoy God's blessings. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Is there anything better than sitting down to a great meal? What if this evening things got to be about as cool as they did last night after the rain came in? I don't know if you were out and about, but if you weren't, boy, did you miss a great cool evening. Can you think about what it would be like to go out in the cool of the evening, maybe sit on your back porch and prepare a meal, not just a meal, steak right off the grill, fresh corn, fried okra, tomatoes that are just exactly right. And after the meal, Blackberry cobbler with ice cream. Wow. Now I've got your attention. The Bible says, trust in the Lord and feed on his faithfulness. Enjoy what God has provided for you. We can feed on the faithfulness of God, not just experiencing his blessings, but savoring the faithfulness of God. I'm not sure which is better. Yes, I am. Is it better to anticipate that first bite of steak or to enjoy the last bite? I'm thinking it's that very first bite. What about you? 
You know, you're anticipating it. You've been out there. The aroma's begun to fill the air. You've wondered, is it ready? Is it ready? I want it to be done, but not too done, because you know me, I'm a medium rare kind of guy. And then you sit down and you savor that first bite of food. And in the same way the Bible says we are to feed on God's faithfulness, to anticipate it, to enjoy it, to savor it. Don't rush through it. Don't try to get it over with quickly. Take time to remember how good God has been to you. Most of the time we're tempted to overlook his faithfulness. We're tempted to focus on what we lack and think we still need rather than remembering what God has done and how much we're blessed but the Lord calls us to remember the signs of his abundant grace listen to what the Bible says about God's blessings it says through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness So how do we respond to those blessings that fall on us every day? Just a couple of verses later, this is what the Bible says. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What is Lamentation saying? It is saying, take your time and savor the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your time and remember what he's done for you. Take your time and remember your salvation. Take your time and remember those seasons of blessings. Take your time and think about what he's done for you just this year, just this week, just this day. Too often we forget to stop long enough to savor what the Lord has done. But take time and remember to be grateful when it comes to blessings we can tend to be like a child at Christmas with a pile of gifts in front you know you unwrap one gift and you look at it and you see what an incredible thing it is but you don't even take time to play with it you lay it aside because you're too busy aiming toward that next gift we need to stop and enjoy the blessings that come from our Heavenly Father The Jewish Talmud has a saying. It says this. In the world to come, each of us will be called to account for the good things God put on earth, which we refuse to enjoy. Those good things God gave us, and we were too busy thinking about other things to savor the goodness of God. Rest and enjoy his blessings. But the psalmist is not finished. Then he says this. Rest and enjoy time in his presence. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. 30 minutes ago you would have heard that verse. And never thought about a licorice jelly bean. But now it's changed. Delight yourself in the Lord too many people think of time with God as an obligation and not an opportunity you know I'm supposed to do this I'm supposed to take a few minutes to pray I'm supposed to say a blessing at my meal I'm supposed to make time to read my Bible I have an obligation and I'm going to do those things because I want to be a good Christian and those are the things good Christians do 
But we never see it as an opportunity. Today, God has given me an opportunity again. I can step aside. I can shut out the rest of the world. I can spend time with my Father, and he's going to be there for me. And he's going to listen to me as I share my heart, and he's going to speak to me as I read his word, and he's going to be present with me in such a way that I will know he's there. Because I took enough time to stop and rest and listen while he spoke. That's been God's plan since the Garden of Eden where the Bible says the Lord walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. In other words, in that time when you can rest and really spend time with him. You know, there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing someone. I can ask you today and give you a name and say, do you know that person? And you might say, yes, I know who they are. By which you mean, we cross paths from time to time. There have been some times when we've been in the same room. There have been times when we have stopped and visited just for a minute. But if you ask me if I know them, the answer is really, no, not really. I don't know them. Not in any kind of deep and meaningful way. But then there are other people that if you ask them and you say, do you know this person? They will say, you have no idea what that person means to my life. I can remember those seasons in my life when I really needed somebody and they were there. I can remember those times when they took time to listen to me and talk to me about what's going on in my life. The truth is, one of the major sources of exhaustion is this. We spend too much time living on the outside and don't spend enough time living on the inside. Because that's true, if I ask you the question, do you know the Lord? You can respond in a lot of ways. You can say, yes, I know him because people have told me about him. I believe there's a God out there, but he's way, way out there. And I'm over here, and we don't really cross paths much from time to time. Or I can ask you, do you know the Lord? And you'll say, yes, I know the Lord. I can remember the day when I was saved. I can remember the place where I was. I can remember the aisle that I walked. I can remember the preacher who greeted me. I can remember my baptism. I remember that. But the truth is, from that day forward, I really haven't gone very far in deepening my relationship with him. Or I can ask you, do you know the Lord? And you're going to say, let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Let me tell you about the times when he was there for me. Let me tell you about the talks I've had with him. Let me tell you about how he's spoken to me and gave me exactly the truth I needed at exactly the right time. And let me tell you this. If I have a relationship with Christ, it really doesn't matter what else is going on in my life because I have a deep walk with the one who loves me the most and knows me the best. Yes, I know the Lord. You know, real spiritual growth just doesn't happen in a hurry. I can't write a book and hand it to you that says four quick steps to being close to Jesus. That just doesn't happen. It takes time. It takes being still long enough to hear God speak. It means letting his voice reach out and hearing him 
when he's speaking. It's one of the reasons I love the ocean so much. When I can go to the beach and I can get out early in the morning or after darkness falls and just walk along the seashore and listen to those endless waves roaring in, it tunes my heart to hear God speak. And all of us have those places. And your place may not be my place, but there's that place you go. When I can't go to the ocean, I go out on the back porch. First thing in the morning, before anything else. And I listen as God speaks. It doesn't come instantly. It doesn't come easily. But it makes all the difference when that relationship is real. There's another way the Lord helps you to build that strong relationship with him. And that is that God places special people along your path that bring you into his presence. Those folks who make such a difference in your life. They love you no matter what. They listen to you closely when you share your heart. They respond with real wisdom. Their very presence brings seasons of refreshment from the Lord. And God puts those people in your path and they make such a difference in your life. And you can always tell when you've been with them because when you walk away from a time with those people, you just feel refreshed. You feel as though the Lord has spoken to you through the life of someone who loves you. When you're tempted to allow too many distractions to fill up your life, when you neglect opportunities to be with folks like that, remember this, the only things that last forever are God and people. So you live like that is true. You live as though sometimes I just need to be in the presence of people who bring me into the presence of the Lord. And you make time to do it. Psalmist is still not through. He says this, rest and see life through God's eyes. Verses 7 through 9 are kind of different. They're kind of discordant with the rest of that psalm because all of a sudden... David begins to talk about those people that bother you and those things that are happening that you can't understand. This is what it says. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. In these verses, the Bible gives us an inventory of those things that rob us of rest. Those things that bother David are the same things that bother you today. What does he talk about? Impatience, worry, envy, anger, resentment. All of those things find their way into your life and they steal your rest away. They take away your peace. You find yourselves looking around at other people and thinking, how in the world are they getting away with that? And why is it that those are the bad people and they're getting all the good stuff? 
And if you're not careful, it steals all of the peace out of your life. But the Bible also gives us the antidote for them all. It simply says this, simple trust. This is what the psalm says. It says, in the midst of a world where everything is distracting, in the midst of a world in which you recognize bad things are going on and it seems as though bad people are getting away with things, never forget this. God is in control. The wicked will never prevail. He knows his plans for you. He will never forget you or forsake you. You can absolutely depend upon the Lord. Absolutely. All the way to eternity. Jesus said, if we come to him, he will give us rest. So let the Lord give you the space you need to breathe. Let him give you the promises you can depend on. Let him give you a heart to trust him all the time in every circumstance. Let him give you rest. When Nadine Starr was 85 years old, she looked back over her life. She remembered the good things and the bad things. She remembered the obstacles and the opportunities. She remembered the times when her heart was broken and the times when God mended her heart. And she wrote a poem. Let me share it with you this morning. If I had my life to live over again, if I had my life to live over again, I'd dare to make more mistakes next time. I would relax. I would limber up. I would be sillier than I have been this trip. I would take fewer things seriously. I would take more chances. I would take more trips. I would climb more mountains and swim more rivers. I would eat more ice cream and fewer beans. I would perhaps have more actual troubles, but I'd have fewer imaginary ones. You see, I've always been one of those people who live sensibly and sanely, hour after hour, day after day. I've been one of those people who never go anywhere without a thermometer, a hot water bottle, a raincoat, and a parachute. But if I had my life to live over again, I would start barefoot earlier in the spring and stay that way later in the fall. If I had it to do again, I would travel lighter next time. I would go to more dances, ride more merry-go-rounds, and pick more daisies. I would spend less time thinking about my problems so that I would have more time to count my blessings. Isn't that good? Here's the key to spiritual rest. Make time to count your blessings. The people who love you, the creation that surrounds you, the prayers that the Lord has answered, the blessings that you took for granted, the God who loves you, the Lord who saved you. Make the choice to put it all into his hands and rest in the Lord. Where does rest come from? Rest comes from a rock-solid relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is not dependent upon you. 
And it's not dependent upon your circumstances. And it's not dependent upon what somebody else can do or will do. Rest comes from knowing my relationship with Christ is going to be enough to see me through anything. When it's really hard, he's going to be there. When I'm struggling, he's going to give me relief. When I don't understand, he's going to give me wisdom. When I depend upon him, he will grant me rest. So let me ask you a question this morning. So do you have a rested soul? Do you have a rest that is based upon the depth of your relationship with Jesus? Or is all of your desire for rest based on externals, what somebody else can do, what kinds of things are going on around you? If that's where you're looking for rest, you're going to be disappointed. Instead, it's all about a real relationship with a real Savior who really cares for your soul. Do you have that relationship today? Maybe you're here this morning. You don't have a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. You have struggled and tried to find rest in every direction you could imagine. And nothing's worked. And nothing's going to work except a relationship with Christ. And maybe today when we stand and sing our invitation hymn in just a few moments. And as I'm here at the front, Dr. Hutchins is here. If you're not a believer... You can come and you can say, today I want to receive Jesus. Or if you want somebody to talk to you more about it, you can say to us, I really want to know more about knowing Christ as we greet you out in the lobby in just a little while. Do you need to come? Or maybe you know that part of finding rest in Christ is that you've got to plant yourself in a church that's going to love you and disciple you and encourage you and bless you. And I cannot think of a better place than this one where you can come and bring your membership and be part of who we are. Maybe there's another decision you need to make. God's dealing with you in your heart. You know what it is. And today you need to come. As we stand and as we sing and as God speaks to your heart, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing our invitation hymn.